Hello and welcome into our broadcast. My name is Jake Bear, and alongside me are Jake McGrail, Liz Wang, and Corey Branson of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. And while basketball suffered a tough weekend sweep to Calgary, there were some huge Huge news in terms of positives over the weekend for Thunderbird Sports. In cross-country, the U-Sports season came to a close with a fourth-place finish from the men's side and a sixth-place finish from the women's. That was out in Ontario. And most importantly, soccer season came to a close. It wasn't a picture-perfect ending for the men's side who bowed out early. But UBC Women's Soccer, drumroll please. They are champions! That is what I'm talking about, folks. UBC Women's Soccer have claimed the crown. It was not an easy battle. A lot of gritty 1-0 wins, but they have done it. And meanwhile, basketball, well, that was a different story. Quite a disappointing weekend for them. But we'll start out with some positives. Cross-country to begin. Can't wait to talk about soccer. Yes, um, for cross-country, they're starting on a very high note. The UBC cross-country team had an amazing finish to the 2019 Eagles season just last Saturday. Running at Queen's University at Fort Henry, Ontario, the men's team placed six, while the women's team placed fourth, repeating their Eagles finish from 2018. Kieran Lum took home the gold medal in the 10-kilometer finishing with a time of just 30 minutes and 35 seconds. That was an impressive eight-second lead over second-place finisher. And then this already adds on to his success as he was given the Canada West First Star of the Week, the Men's Athlete of the Year Award, and he earned automatic first team All-Canadian status. Kieran Lum, a super athlete, a superhuman here from UBC. Yes, and um, there's also impressive performance on the women's side, having five runners in the top 41 out of a competition field of 155 people. Yeah, Nicola Simmons was the top UBC women's runner, a position she's quite familiar with, finishing eighth with a time of 28.31 in the 8-kilometer, improving from her 14th place finish last year by 39 seconds, earning herself second-team All-Canadian status. Yeah, the UBC's next best runner was rookie Naomi Lang, finished all the way up in 11th, time of 28.57. She was also named a second-team All-Canadian on top of being the U-Sports Rookie of the Year, so congratulations to her. And 26th overall finisher was fifth-year Sarah MacArthur. She had a time of 29.32. Kyla Becker turned in a time of 29.58. That gave her 34th place finish overall and eighth among rookies. Also contributing was fourth place team finish for the women's was Michaela Tinkham. She finished 41st overall with the t- with the time of 30.09. So that women's side, very consistent in their overall runners, didn't have anyone trailing too far behind. Looking back at the men's side here, Thomas Broach finished in a time of 31.17 with an impressive 13th place. He was named to the second All-Canadian team as well. Yeah, and add on to that, um, Taylor Dawsey preserved and despite coming off a recent injury that prevented him from running in the recent Canada West Championship, he actually finished pretty well with the 20, 22nd place at a time of 31st minute and 36 seconds. And rounding things off for the men's side, Christian Gravel and Cole Dissendale finished just five seconds apart, placing 56th and 61st respectively. Good weekend overall for these two sides. Good showing to end the year for cross country. Yeah, congrats to both the cross country teams. Now looking at basketball, not a great weekend for them as uh, both teams were swept by the Calgary Dinos. For the women's in particular, it was really tough as they were dominated both nights. They dropped 
to two and two on the season. Game one, they dropped eighty-seven to fifty-nine, an absolute slaughter, especially in the second half as the Dinos took a wire-to-wire victory. Six Dinos players scored in double figures, compared to just two for the Thunderbirds. And Jake, you know this game all too well. You were there calling it, but the Thunderbirds fell behind early. They were down as many as 20 in the first half alone. They were able to cut it to a 10-point deficit at half, but they were outscored 43-25 to then in the second half. This game was never really within striking distance. Yeah, Kaylin Filowich was the only player who had anything going offensively as she recorded 18 points on 8 of 11 shooting. That's a pretty good line. Uh, she only had five rebounds, however, along with two assists and without help from the rest of the team. Yeah, speaking of the rest of the team, 41 points on 15 of 44 shooting. That is really tough, especially considering how efficient uh, Filowich was. Haley Council was the only other Thunderbird who reached double figures with 10 points on 4 of 10 shooting. She also had three rebounds and two steals, but... As a whole, UBC's offense left a lot to be desired. I think, I mean, 15 of 44, it's not atrocious. It is a 34 shooting percentage. It's not the worst, but it's not the best by a far mark. I agree. Um, That's more of something you would like to see from beyond the arc. But um, they were able to kind of have some decent uh, players, but Jessica Hansen was not one of them. She did record five rebounds in a game high. Eight assists. She scores just six points. She did have a rough night. She went of two of nine shooting from the field. With Madison Penn out for UBC, they need to do more uh, for Jessica Hansen, especially for her to become a scoring threat. Yeah, outside of scoring, turnovers were also a big problem. UBC gave the ball up 23 times, led by, led by in quotation marks, Dana Pierce, who recorded five in just nine minutes. Emily Martindale had four off the bench, while Filowich, Hansen, and Council all had three. Yeah, the turn- five in nine minutes—that's strikingly scary efficiency. That's the, that's the old Lewandowski uh, scoring record. You know, five goals in the Bundesliga in nine minutes. <laughs> I understood that reference. I don't think Jacob did. No, oh, that's sorry. okay. <laughs> we all know. We all know how that went last time. Yeah. We brought up soccer. Yeah, the turnovers were insane, though. A lot of them were in the Thunderbirds' own backcourt because Calgary was full court pressing them the entire game, and it worked out really well for them. Helped fuel their offense. Calgary shot forty-nine percent from the field. For the game, hit 10 threes compared to just three for UBC. And because of all those turnovers, the Dinos ended up with 18 more shot attempts. And if you have that many more shot attempts, you're probably going to end up winning. Just keep shooting on the net. <laughs> That's a soccer reference I can make. That 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 counts, I guess. <laughs> game two for the women's side was not much better. Thunderbirds did improve their defense. They allowed 76 points. They still only scored 59 Filowich, again, led the team with 17 points and 9 rebounds, while Gabrielle LaGuerta shot 3 for 6 from deep en route to a season-high 11 points. Second game, different story. It was actually tied at halftime, but then the Dinos, again, found a way to extend what was a pretty tight game at half, and they outscored the Thunderbirds 41-24, to similar story to the first in that second half. That means that over the weekend, UBC was outscored 84 to 49 in second halves. Yeah, looking at looking like uh, the football team. I was going to make there. that reference. <laughs> beat, yeah. you, beat you to the punch right there. Oh, well, well, I mean, this is a bigger problem, though, right? Not being able to close out games. Maybe it's endurance. Maybe it's lack, lack of depth, which would make sense considering injuries. But clearly there's something that's falling apart in the later stages of the games. Yeah, yeah. Filowich and LaGuerta combined 28 points on 12 of 22 shooting. The rest of the team... 31 points, 9 of 32 shooting. The main culprits there, Hanson and Council, combined 6 for 23 from the field. This sucks, too, because Hanson was so good last weekend. Yeah, Council as well last weekend hitting a lot of threes, not really going down 
this uh, this weekend, especially tough because it was at home, the home opener, and just did not go well the entire weekend. Yeah, turnovers, again, major issue as UBC turned it over an incredible 29 times. Filowich had seven, Council and Madison Legault each had five, and Hansen had four. That led, again, to Calgary having a big advantage in shot attempts. Filowich, close to that triple-double. Congrats. <laughs> Good for her, but one person really can't win it. We saw it happen with LeBron last year. You do need other people, and it is working for the Lakers this year. But one clear difference between these two teams, Calgary and UBC, was the use of the three. 41% of the dino shot attempts was actually from downtown, and they made 36% of them. Meanwhile, the Thunderbirds just took just 33% of their shots beyond the arc. And they made just 25% of them. So you would expect a team who's making less to take less. But, I mean, if Calgary is making a good amount of those shots, they're going to end up with 2017 Warriors numbers. Yeah, especially in the first game, that was really the difference right there, the three-point shot. Next up for the women's side, road trip to Prince George to take on UNBC, who are 1-3. and three. The Thunderbirds are 9-3 and three all-time against the Timberwolves, so they've only won one of their last three meetings. And now we're going to take a listen into a quick interview with Keelan Filowich, one of the UBC stars over the weekend. Our very own Ben Nelson had a brief discussion with her. Take a listen. Uh, this is Ben Nelson with CITR Sports. I'm here with Kaylin Filowich. Uh, you had a game-high 18 points tonight, um, even though it was a tough loss. Um, what other positives could you take from this match? Um, I think there's definitely times where we had um, good runs. I think in the second quarter when we had a huge run, um, our defense kind of buckled down and we got some steals which fueled our offense. Um, So that was a real positive, just looking to make those stretches bigger in the future. What do you guys think you can do to bounce back tomorrow night? Um, I think just coming in fresh-minded. We know what we're going to do. We played 40 minutes with them, so coming in ready to learn, um, ready to be gritty because it's going to be another hard 40 minutes and um, just trying to impose ourselves this time, not letting them dictate anything anymore. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Keelan Filowich for the UBC women's basketball team looking at the men's team. Also a tough weekend for them, losing both of their games to also drop them to 2-2 two and two on the season. First game, heartbreaker, as they were narrowly defeated in the final seconds, 81-79. to 79. I had the pleasure of calling this game, and it was absolutely wild almost all the way through. Yeah, UBC had a slow start in game number one. They were trailing 13-4 to four early in the first, but Jaden Cohey then caught fire, dropping 11 first quarter points and slimming the lead down to just four. Yeah, second quarter, more runs. Calgary went up as many as 15 before UBC clawed back. 14-2 run of their own. Two teams really trading runs the entire way. Lead was five points at the end of the third quarter after it was six at halftime, and that set up the, the crazy fourth quarter. Manroop Claire, who started 0 for 8 from the field, went 4 of 6 late as the Thunderbirds started the fourth quarter red hot. They ended up taking a four-point lead with just 129 left in the game. Yeah, that was a bit <laughs> crazy. Claire was absolutely ice cold early on. It looked like he wasn't going to score the entire night. And then he turns it on. Thunderbirds turn it on, but they did not score the entire last minute 29. Dino scored eight points in a minute to make it a one-possession game. Odu drove. He was blocked at the rim with less than 10 seconds to play. And Calgary's Noah Wharton ran down the other way, drew an and one for the win right before the buzzer. Yeah, that's absolutely heartbreaking. 
Standout performers we did have were Jaden Cohey, 17 points and 8 assists. Manroop Claire did end up with 16 points, and Grant Audu, though he was blocked at the last second there, did have 15, including going 3 of 3 from 3. Audu's pretty consistent. Even Last year he was used mostly as like a sixth man that would come in, but he's pretty good when he comes in and actually gets play time. Yeah, he's been starting now too since Patrick Simon graduated, and he got poked in the eye in the third quarter, left the game for a bit, but he came back in the fourth, continued to play well, Although, what a champ. Obviously, he didn't end up going It's like exactly. one of those LeBron moments gets the eye scratch. Keep bringing up LeBron. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> everyone, I am a Lakers fan. Everyone is LeBron. <laughs> everyone is LeBron. Game two, not as close for UBC. They lost 80-70. to 70. Started out ice cold from three, shooting 0 for 7 from deep in the first quarter, though they were only down two points at halftime. UBC found themselves down by six at the end of the first quarter after shooting 0 of 7 from three. A similar thread found through whether it's Manroop's Claire's ice-cold start to now in the second game. They were able to cut that Dino lead to two points by halftime and took a brief lead early in the second half, but Calgary jumped back in front and never really looked back from there. This time, some of our standout performers for UBC, uh, Jaden Cohey again, 20 points and four assists, and then Zach Moore and Grant Shepard both dropped 13 points. The Thunderbirds did shoot just 6 of 22 from 3 on the night after that really cold start and turned it over 15 times. They will also take on UNBC this weekend, who are 3-1. and one. The Thunderbirds are 12-0 and 0 all time against the Thunderbirds. Both of their wins last season were by 15-plus. I mean, we're not going to make any predictions based off of those stats. Not trying to jinx anyone, but, you know. The, yeah, the stats stat- are objective. <laughs> Very objective. They don't lie. Those yeah. are, we're just laying out the numbers here. Now... Soccer, and before we can get to the fantastic exploits of the women's team, got to talk about the men's team, which was the same old story for them. Unfortunately, for the third straight year, they were entered nationals as Canada West champions, dominated conference opposition. However, they again failed to medal at nationals, losing in the quarterfinals for the third time in the last four seasons. By the time the dust settled on the weekend, UBC finished sixth which followed up 7th, 4th, and 5th place finishes the last few years. Oh, Game 1 was delayed an hour due to an overnight snowfall. Classic Montreal. Uh, But the Thunderbirds fell to eventual champions Quebec. uh, Help me, someone. Quebec à toi, Rivière. Thank you, Corey. That was a 1-0 game. (laughs) UBC managed to rack up 10 shots on target, but the Patriots goalie Philippe Clapin Gerard made 8 saves and the other two were cleared off the line by defenders. Yeah, he, yeah, he just said that. Yeah, really relishing. Games <laughs> right there. As I told the guys, Corey's a wannabe Montreal Montreal citizen. I am twenty five percent French. Are you I Bloc Québécois supporter? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Thunderbirds goalie Jason Roberts five saves in this game, but he was solved in the fifty second minute off a header from Gabriel Withopper Balbanotti. The Thunderbirds had six corners. Gave up just one, committed only four fouls compared to 12 by the Patriots, but they fell just short in the end, unfortunately. This meant the Thunderbirds played on the consolation side of the bracket from then on, and they came out firing in Game 2, dominating St. Francis Xavier to get a 2-0 victory. That was their first of the weekend. Yeah, Nick Fussell opened the scoring in the 15th minute off a good cross from team assist leader Jordan Haynes. Haynes then scored just his second goal of the season in the 88th minute. He had a half volley from the edge of the penalty box that uh, sealed the victory for the Thunderbirds. The shot count in this one was absolutely, totally in favor of UBC. 16-2, to 9-1 to in terms of shots on target. 
The X-Men didn't record a single shot attempt in the second half. Given the lower stakes, rookie Andrew Metcalf took Robert's place in goal for just the second time this season, and he saved the only shot on target he had to face. Yeah, way to make it easy for the rookie right there. But yeah. the, the problem was the offense sputtered again, again in Game 3 as the Thunderbirds lost 1-0. to This time it was to York. They put nine shots on target for the second straight game, allowing just four, but it was York's John Alec Duenas, who maybe you guys can correct me if that pronunciation... <laughs> I think it's okay. I'm running with Alec Duenas, who scored the only goal in the 84th minute, letting it up late. I mean, it was nil-nil going all the way up to the 84th, and then you fall back 1-0, and that's how you lose. That means the Thunderbirds had 28 shots on target, not just shot attempts, shots on target over the three games, and only scored two goals. So it means they only scored 7% of their shots on target after scoring 23% for the entire season leading into the weekend, running into some tough goalkeeping and poor finishing right when it uh, mattered most right there. And this was the final game for UBC's four graduating seniors, Jason Roberts, Sean Einerson, Kerman Panu, and Monraj Baines. Over the last four seasons, the Thunderbirds are 43-8-12 in Canada West play, but when it comes to... The Nationals, they are just 4-7, and seven, a very unfortunate reality that they now face. It's a bit of a curse, you might almost say, at this point. They have still not won the national title since 2013 after winning multiple uh, Canada West titles. Yeah, it's a bit unfortunate, but hopefully they'll be able to turn that experience, at least, uh, into some more positive results looking forward. Finally, we'd just like to make a note of Thomas Gardner getting selected again by Pacific FC in the Canadian Premier League draft. That's my hometown team, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, He did not play for them last spring due to injury, but he will go to the island for training camp once more. He'll be eligible, rather, to sign a full contract by the end of the summer, or otherwise he'll return to UBC for his third year. Congratulations, Thomas. Thunderbirds hope he's back. Yeah, definitely. And now we get to talk about some wins, finally, after a lot of losses so far in the show, but some big wins. I'm a big big positivity guy, so this is my favorite section. Let's hear it, Jake. It's actually going to be Corey. It's not me. It's not you. It's Corey. <laughs> what? I've been, I've been since when is Corey allowed to talk about soccer? <laughs> I, I've been introducing all the sections so far. I got to give Corey all some right, love. Right, Corey. After a semester of covering the football team, I deserve to cover a victory. Thank all right, that's fair. That, <laughs> that is very true. On the women's side, our team got to play close to home in their national championship, and it certainly seemed to pay dividends. In front of a very pro T Bird crowd in Victoria, UBC won their record seventh national championship title. Woo! This was their first win since 2015. It was peak single elimination soccer as UBC won all three of their matches by a score of one to nothing. Grind it out soccer. Quarterfinal, UBC took on the Montreal Caribbeans. Caribbean? I don't know. They, <laughs> they were the champions. Of we the- are clearly not strong with these French names. Corey's got it. Me, well, I'm the worst. We all know. But Jake, you're okay. You're like mid, mid-range. It's okay. If they're French, they can't listen to the show. Uh, they were the champions of the RSEQ. Montreal had some golden opportunities in this game, but they were stopped by Emily Moore, standout goalkeeper and part of the defense, really the head of the defense that was the MVP for the Thunderbirds all throughout both Canada West and U Sports uh, playoffs. Five minutes before halftime, the Caribbeans had a glorious chance as Melanie Sasseville powered a shot from the edge of the box right at the top corner. Moore was able to deflect it out at full stretch. UBC then was able to take the lead in the 56th minute on a rookie-to-rookie connection with Jacqueline Tyrer corner ending up on the head of Caitlin Tolnai. Yeah, Montreal's last best chance was off an Erica Bastien header in the 82nd, but Moore again made a diving save to keep that one out. 
In the end, UBC finished out shooting Montreal 11-8, but shots on target were equal at 6. The biggest difference on the stat sheet was Montreal racking up 9 fouls to only UBC's 4. In the semifinals, UBC played the Acadia Axe Women. Great name right there. They were runners-up of the AUS over in the Maritimes. This, again, uh, was a very tight game. one nothing for UBC. More, again, just a stellar. But also, shout-out to Shara Charnock of the Acadia. She was the goalie for their team. And both goalies kept this game shortless, or goalless, rather, almost all the way. The previously mentioned Tyra had the best chance to break the deadlock in the 57th minute as her free kick was just grazed enough by Charnock to send it over the bar. Like you mentioned, good goalkeeping on both ends. Then the Acadia netminder was finally beaten in the 77th minute when she was unable to corral a Natasha Clasio screamer, leaving a great rebound there for Danielle Steer, friend of the show, to drive home. Steer for the win. Steer actually ended up going on, I believe, to win the championship MVP. Yes, she did. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Whoops. Similarly to the last game, UBC outshot Acadia 12-8, to but this time shots on target favored the Thunderbirds 8-3. to I would say Charnock really deserved better in this one. She made seven saves for her squad, just got no support from the offense down the field. And then in the final, very familiar opposition, it was the Calgary Dinos that had defeated the Thunderbirds. Thank in the God Can- we beat them. Yeah, in the Canada West Championship just last week, if the Thunderbirds had lost to them two weeks in a row for both championships. And basketball getting swept. <laughs> basketball. <laughs> would have been really tough, but we were finally able to get one over the Dinos, and it was the biggest game of the season. This was anything but a very clean affair. There was actually 24 combined fouls, which meant... Few scoring opportunities, but Tolnai nearly put UBC ahead on the onset of the second half. Her shot from prime position, pinballing out of bounds off of a dino and a T-bird, couldn't quite find it in. In the second half, Steer scored one of the strangest championship-winning goals on record in the 80th minute as she barely kissed Natasha Klasios' cross with her forehead. Still, a slight deflection turned out to be just enough to confound Dinos keeper Lauren Houghton, and UBC then had the lead. Yeah, Dinos did press, but their final chance, a Taylor Wells shot from a cross, was saved by Moore, fitting that the game ended with a Moore save. UBC ended up outshooting the Dinos 8-6, to but Calgary did have the advantage in attempts on target 5-4. to Moore, 5 saves, so I believe that's 14 saves over the three games of zero goals allowed. Fantastic performance right yeah, there. Just incredible. Pride of my high school. I'll say it again. A Squimalt High back in Victoria. Turning out, out some good soccer athletes. <laughs> I love it. Once the game finished, as Jacob alluded to, Daniel Steer was named tournament MVP for scoring winners in the semis and the final. Thunderbird eye bump right there. That's what's up. We only interview the best of the best (laughs) on this show. (laughs) She was joined on the All-Star team by Moore, who honestly had an MVP case in her own right, as well as Tyra, Jenica Sanga, and Amelia Crawford. And then finally, last game for graduating seniors Crawford and Klasios. Great way to uh, go out on top for both of them. And now we're going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs, but go absolutely nowhere as we will revisit some early season predictions, see who of us on Thunderbird Eye will be crowned champion for their correct responses and who will be crowned the anti-champion for, well, some erroneous predictions. We'll be back in a minute.
November 22nd at the Rickshaw Theater. Jenny and the Mexicats will be lighting up the stage along with special guest Maria Blues from LA and also our local favorites, Roomba 7 and Kawama. The show starts at 8 p.m. on November 22nd. You can get your tickets now for $20 at Red Cat or High Life, or buy it online at Eventbrite. Come celebrate 20 years of eclectic sounds and live music on the morning after show. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody. God, this is awful. Isn't there anything? 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 Listening to the radio these days can be distressing. Fortunately, here at CITR, our programmers choose the music that they play, so our charts reflect what people actually listen to. To find out what's really chopping the charts, pick up a copy of Discorder magazine, or check us out online at citr.ca. Unless, of course, you'd rather keep listening to the chart-topping single, Everybody Dance. What, you don't like to dance? Everybody dance. Everybody dance. Everybody dance, dance. What, you don't like to dance? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Thunderbird Eye. My name is Jacob Air. Jake and Corey are still in the booth. Liz has left to class. But we are going to revisit some early season predictions here. And if you go way back to the very beginning of this school year, September 5th to be exact, we sat down in this exact booth for the second show of this school year with myself, Jake, Liz, Corey, and then and the then newbie Nico, who were hovering around the studio mics as we made some bold predictions and some conservative takes on fall sports. Liz and Liz wasn't able to contribute as she had to leave early for that show. And Nico isn't here today, but we'll still revisit what he was saying. If you want to hear our exact, our exact answers from that show, go to citr.ca or iTunes and access the Not A Good Start Thunderbird Eye episode from earlier this year. We're going to take a brief trip down memory lane here and then look back at the outcomes for each team that has now finished their season and see what each of us thought would happen. Today, we will crown a champion, as aforementioned, for the person who is the overall closest to reality with their predictions, and then we will crown an anti-champion for the person who is the furthest away from the true outcomes. The sports we will be looking at today are women's rugby, women's field hockey, men's and women's soccer, and football. While the other sports are yet to finish, we'll address those later on in the season. But for now, let's dive in. Yeah, unfortunately, unable to make a prediction for women's rugby because we were running out of time at that point in the show, but I don't think any of us would have predicted them going as far as they did having as strong of a season making it to the U Sports National Championship tournament winning Canada West for the first time in a very long time so uh, first time ever yeah. it was their first ever Canada West title yeah so congratulations again to the team I don't think any of us would have gotten that one right yeah Shoshana Sumanatafa of the team really carried them and their coach also, they both won awards for their individual efforts. Without those two, I don't think we would have seen much better than last year's three and four. But they came out strong all season. They had the greatest point differential in league, and they were almost able to carry that into U Sports. They lost a very tight first match that could have then propelled them even further. Next year, now we know what to expect. This is a great team as long as Samana Tafa's on board. And how many women's rugby players did we interview on this show? We got two. We got two. Samantha Toffa, Thunderbird Eye Bump. Yeah. 
and I believe Emma Feldinger, Emma yeah. Feldinger. who is also Canada West All Star. Yeah. yeah, only only great players are <laughs> on winners. this show. Yeah. I I stand my ground on this statement. There is no leeway. Thunderbird coaches out there who want your team to win a championship next season, just come send here. your athletes to us. Just come here. We'll interview a ton of them and you'll win. Yes. Easy. On terms of women's field hockey, we were able to comment on this. Last year, the women had a record of 4-1-3 and three and fell well short of what could have been an eighth straight national title. Here's what we predicted. I, Jacob, predicted that they would do better than last year, but they wouldn't win a national title. Jake predicted they will win the national championship. Nico predicted they will stay the same or improve a bit, and Corey predicted they will contend for a national title. I ended up being crowned anti-champion for that take, and I can take that. Yeah, for that individual one, you were the anti-champion. Nico was the most correct. He said they would stay same or improve a bit. They weren't much better this season. They actually had a lot of ties, and they didn't really do anything in terms of playoffs because they didn't make them. Yeah, then soccer last season, the men's team, 13-1-2 in conference play, won Canada West. Women 10-3-1 in conference play, fourth in Canada West, and uh, fourth in the playoffs as well. And then predicted for that, Jacob and myself both uh, predicted for the men's side to do a bit worse in the regular season, but same in the playoffs, which ended up being correct. Nico thought they would go farther in the playoffs than they did, particularly Nationals. And uh, Corey, he uh, didn't predict exactly what they would do in the regular season. He thought they would do the same in the Nationals. He was very high on uh, this team at the start of the season. Alas, what a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) You were close, but I would say Jake and I were a bit closer in terms. I agree. Your take was basically correct, but Jake's and I was a little more specific on how how their season regressed a bit. I accept it. As long as Nico is the anti-champion for that one, I'll take it. Nico was the anti-champion. Jake and I were the champion for that individual one. Uh, When we're looking at the women's side, however, our predictions in that one, Jacob said they would be same during the regular season and then improve in the playoffs. Jake said pretty much the exact same thing. Um, Nico said that the playoffs are the expectation and they might be improving. And I said that they would finish a bit lower than the men's team in the regular season, but then improve in the playoffs. Which was the most accurate. So you were the only champion. There was no anti-champion as we were all relatively correct on that one. We're all we're all optimistic about the team that ended up being uh, ended up correct. winning. So it makes sense. We were we were we had a four maybe some foresight into it that they would end up winning the t- championship. Yes, yes, obviously. <laughs> and then in terms of football, last year UBC had a record of five and three with a bunch of heartbreaking losses, and this included the first round of the playoffs. Coming into the season, couple rookie QBs. Here's what we predicted. I said a four and four season due to a rookie quarterback. Well, not quite right there, Jacob. Jake predicted they will have a men's volleyball 2018-2019 vibe, which is basically lose a bunch at first, then come way back to do well. I mean, they did win their games in the second half of the season. Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of credit, (laughs) but maybe. Okay. I don't know. I still feel like that is a bit off. But anyways, Nico said there was a bit of regression from last year, which was somewhat accurate. But more, it was a, more than a it bit. It was more than a bit. I agree. <laughs> and then Corey was the closest. He said three and five season due to new players. It was actually a two and six, two season. And six season. So, Jake, you do get the anti-champion. You were the most oh, no, off. No. You were the most off on that one. And Corey was the champion of that category. So, overall, if we're doing the tallies here... The champion overall with the two closest predictions, Corey Branson, you you claim the crown. Victory at last. (laughs) Yep, yep. What do you have to say for yourself to the fans out there? 
Well, I'm really happy that I got the football prediction not correct, but closest, because I feel like I spent so much time toiling over this team over the span of the last eight weeks. Uh, that one was really nice. Um, I think with in terms of my other predictions, there was a little bit of luck involved. Uh, but I appreciate when we were first doing these early season predictions, I got to listen to Jacob and Jake say their predictions first, and then I could just kind of riff off of those. Oh, so maybe you had an advantage yeah. in a way where you heard us and you were like, oh, maybe I have to go some different route or I'll mirror this. It's like the price is right. Oh. When you're the last person to say your price, like you can hear it's what strategic. the other people, yeah, yeah. So what oh. you're saying is I'm the real champion. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> so, so now the anti-champion with two somewhat erroneous takes i claim they were wildly erroneous jake ha- jake debates this statement but no no matter jake mcgrail you claim the anti-crown congratulations what do you have to say for yourself well i i do take offense to jacob claiming they were wildly erroneous i don't feel like it was that bad i don't really feel like i deserve this and also since Corey feeling he's feeling a little bit good right now so i'd like to remind him that for the men's basketball team on their first game, Lincoln Rosebush played four <laughs> minutes off the bench on Friday night. He pulled down three rebounds in just four minutes. Corey loves Lincoln Rosebush takes from Jake. It's his favorite part of the show. He did not. Definitely not. <laughs> I'm he, quitting. He did not play on Saturday. So that means. Why is that, Jake? I don't know why. So that means uh, he was grabbing 30 rebounds per 40 minutes for the weekend. The games are 40 minutes long. I'm All right, saying. simmer down, you two. <laughs> Kevin Hansen, play him 40 minutes a game. He'll grab 30 <laughs> rebounds. All right, and with that, that is the end of their show. What's coming up next week? What do we have? This week we didn't have as many sports, but I know it's volleyball, basketball season yep. all out from here. Basketball, as we mentioned earlier, going to Prince George, take on UNBC on Friday and Saturday. Also, Friday and Saturday, Women's and men's hockey are playing Lethbridge. Women's are on the road. Men's are here at home. And volleyball is playing Calgary. We can't get away from the Dinos the last few weeks. (sighs) But you know what? At least we beat them. Beat them in women's soccer. Hopefully volleyball teams can beat them as well. That's here at home Friday and Saturday. Then also men's field hockey plays West Vancouver FHC at home on Saturday. And the Men's Rugby Canadian University Championship starts on Wednesday. The men's team will take on Brock in the first round. And they're looking for the three-peat. They were the inaugural winners. They won it in their second year of the tournament. And they would be still the only champion if they were able to pull it off this year. And with that, I believe that's all our sports. Is this correct? Yes, that's that, all that we have? all our sports. All right. So not that much next week. Thank you for listening in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories is going ahead and following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and very important, YouTube, as we actually have a big collaboration coming up with the UBC, where we're doing a little video content. You'll have to see what we have to mean about this, but it will be up on YouTube. Corey Branson will be involved with this. He is the inaugural member. Are we keeping this hush-hush then? Yeah, you know, add a little element of surprise to it, but... There's something coming, so get ready, folks. Next up on CITR is Rocket from Russia at 10 a.m. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jacob, Jake, Liz, and Corey with contributions from Ben Nelson. Listen Thursdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. on CITR Radio or check us out on iTunes at Thunderbird Eye. Also, thank you to Alan and Byron Wang, who are new members to the collective. They also contributed on this week's show. And thank you guys for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your day.